Well, good morning again, and I invite you to open your Bible, if you will, to the book of Deuteronomy. We're in chapter number five. We're continuing a series of messages on the Ten Commandments. This is part two of a uh, sermon that we began last week in Deuteronomy chapter number five, and we looked at just one little verse, this commandment, that is given by the Lord in verse number 17. And uh, the commandment is simply this. Do not murder. Do not murder. What it's meant by that. Last week as we studied this, we understood that murder is the taking of a life that's given by God. And when you take a life that is given by God, you you have violated and stolen and committed murder. Because the life came from God, God formed man, God made man in his own image, and God breathed the breath of life into the nostrils of man, and man became a living soul. And God's life is given from God, and when life is taken by man, that is a violation of, the very, of, of God's law. It is a violation against God himself. And so there comes these high crimes against one another and murder come at a cost. If you shed a man's blood, then by man your blood shall be shed. There are consequences to murder. And so we looked about the culture of murder and death and killing and the devaluing of life that is so rampant in our culture. But today, I want us to think about how did Jesus interpret that, this commandment and how do we commit murder other than these high-handed crimes where you uh, kill or assassinate or suicide or abortion. Uh, other than that, what are other ways that we commit murder? And Jesus had a lot to say about that. And so we're going to look into God's Word and some different passages of Scripture, multiple passages of Scripture, and I encourage you to follow along as we study God's Word together. Amen? So you have your Bible, and I hope that you uh, uh, will follow along. First of all, how do I commit murder? Is this something, how or what are ways that I live out, break this commandment in my own life? First of all, it's by unjustly killing another human being. That's one of the ways you would break that, like we talked about last week. Life comes from God, right? Life returns to God. And a life that sheds blood, and, and a life where the blood has been shed, that blood cries out to Almighty God for justice. We see the first act of murder right after Adam and Eve are out of the garden. They conceive and bear a son, and his name is Cain. And then they bear another son, and his name is Abel. And Cain raises his uh, hand against his brother and murders him in a premeditated, angry act. God goes to Cain, pleads with him, do not do this thing that you are doing. Why are you so angry in your heart? Why are you acting with despondency? Do what is good and right. But rather than listen to the voice of God, Cain betrays his brother. He calls him out into the field away from family, and he murders him. 
this is a high crime against him. And God simply says to Cain, what have you done? His blood cries out from the ground to me for justice. When you unjustly kill another human being, the life's blood that you have shed cries out to a holy God for justice, for the crime that's been committed. Secondly, Jesus interprets this and helps us to understand when you hate another human being, this is murder that's of the heart, as John Calvin said. So does 1 John chapter number 3, verse 15. We're going to look at several passages. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 15. First John 3:15 says, "Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. It's when you hate others, there's murder in your heart." First John verse three, chapter three, verse 14. It says in verse number 14, "We know we've passed from death into life because we love our brothers." And sisters, but the one that does not love remains, abides in death. But everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. When you hate another human being, there's murder in your heart. Look with me to chapter number two, first John chapter two, verse number nine, just over a page. Those following along, follow along with us in your Bible. First John chapter two, verse nine. The one that says he's in the light but hates. His brother or sister is in the darkness unto now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light, and there's no cause of stumbling for him, for, uh, no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Wow. Look with me to 1 John chapter 4, verse number 20. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. When you hate, first of all, when you hate there's lying in your heart. When you say that you love God whom you've not seen, but you hate your brother who you do see, the scripture says you're lying and you lie to God because you don't really love God. You really love yourself. And it's all about you and not about God or your brother. And that's why you can't love them. Secondly, when you hate, you abide in death. You don't live in life, you live in death. You are not born again. There's something wrong deeply in your life. Not only that, you walk in the darkness. That's what John says. You're blinded, you're disoriented, you stumble, you fall. You would never seek counsel from somebody who is filled with hate in their heart because they're blind guides and they cannot help you. And there's murder in their heart. They're murderers. And not only are they murderers, they're hell-bound. Not, not bound for heaven, 
There's no eternal life that dwells in them. Chapter 3, verse 15. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. They live in death and not in life. I encounter people all the time that are filled with hate. I remember years ago trying to counsel with a woman whose husband had betrayed her and left her. She said, I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. And I'll hate him till the day I die. And that hate began to destroy her life. She said, I not only hate him, I will teach my children to hate him. One day I was sitting at a restaurant here in town with a man who had formerly been a school teacher and his wife had left him. And he said, I'll tell you this thing, I'll never ever forgive her and I'll hate her. I'll hate her to the day I die. And even if I myself have to go to hell for hating her, I willingly go to hell, but I'll never forgive her. Wow. Hate. Consuming. Destroying the heart. The Bible says that's murder in your heart. The other way that we murder is by cursing another human being. James chapter 5. Do you have your Bible? Look with me to the book of James, chapter number 5. James chapter 5 and verse number 9. Great. Look with me. James 5, 9 says, Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge is standing at the door. Wow. He says, listen. He says, don't complain. Don't gripe and complain about others. Do is there a spirit of complaint in you about others? Be careful. Because in your heart is anger and murder toward another. That's why you criticize them, fault find about them, pick at them. James chapter 3, verse 9. With the tongue we bless the, uh, our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not be that way. He said there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong when flowing out of your mouth are blessing and cursing out of the same person. It's like a spring that is producing both brackish and good water. He said, you know, when you go to the when you go to the kitchen or sink and you turn on the tap water and you think, I want a drink of water, and you maybe fill a glass with tap water. Now, it's, it, granted, it's Troy water, so I don't know what's in it. But anyway, it's tap water, and you drink it. But then the next time you go on and you turn on the tap, instead of it being refreshing water, what if it was salt water? And then the next time you go in, it's just putrid water. And the next time you go in, it's fresh, refreshing water. Well, you'd say well, that, that shouldn't happen from the same source. That's exactly 
what James is saying. Out of the same source of one who blesses God and blesses others, and the Spirit of God dwells in you, out of that same mouth come insults and injury and hating and ugliness and criticism. Jesus said, by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be judged. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaks. You see, what comes out of your mouth? What comes out of your mouth about other people? What comes out of your mouth when you're stressed out? When you're fearful, when you're anxious, when you're competitive, when you're upset. Confess to you that sometimes out of my mouth come harsh things. If, I'm, if I perceive that I've been slighted, it wants to hook that because of that sin that's in me and let murderous kinds of words come out of my mouth. And that's why we slander, and that's why we gossip, and that's why we lie, and that's why we spin the truth, and that's why we insinuate about other people, intimate about others, associate this person with something that we know that's wrong. So why do we assassinate other people with your words? You not only assassinate, listen, this is what we do. We assassinate not only with our words, we assassinate with our silence. I used to work with somebody years ago that when others were celebrating about something, the person always, not always, but would sometimes just be silent and refuse to bless and withhold it because with their silence, they were condemning. There are others that, that you do that with your very silence. What's in your heart? You see, here's the deal. Murder, and I said this last week, murder is saying, I want what I want more than I want you to live. It's all about me. And that's why. I'll murder you, even with my words. We also commit murder in our heart when we refuse to be reconciled with others. Now, do you have your Bible? Let's look at what Jesus had to say about this. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 5, verse number 21. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 21. Jesus said, You've heard that it was said to our ancestors, Do not murder and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who's angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. And whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. Wow. Notice in verse number 21 and 22, he says, he says, you've heard it said, do not murder. But, and the one that murders is subject to the court, to judgment. But I'm telling you, 
He's going to the heart of behind the law. The law is you shall not murder, but Jesus goes to the heart behind it. He says the issue is anger inside of you. Everyone who's angry with his brother or sister is subject to judgment. And he says one who insults his brother or sister to the court and the one who who devalues them completely and says, you're fool, you raker, you empty head, is subject to hell's fire. There's this progression of anger, insult, degrading and devaluing and disparaging. And we say things like, he's just a fool. What a buffoon. He's a moron. He's an idiot. She's worthless. Oh, I won't say all the things that we say. (laughs) The issues that's anger in us. And we blame other people about that anger. I'm preaching to myself today. Listen. She just makes me so mad. You ever been like that? And you've got to vent it to somebody. I'm so mad. I'm so angry. I could just spit. Or we say things, things like that. Did you see that look? If looks could kill, that's what it is. You're so angry at my boss. I'm so angry. This might have happened. Did you, you see that truck? He cut me off. He did it on purpose. <laughs> Anger. Right? You want to know the source of your anger? Let me tell you to find the source. Go into your bathroom and find that mirror and look in it. And there it is. It's in you. The one that's responsible for your anger is not that guy that can't drive a truck right. It's you. And you want to look deeper? Let the x-ray of the Holy Spirit of God look into your heart. And the anger is in your heart. That's why God comes to Cain and pleads with him. Don't do this, Cain. Why are you so angry, Cain? Why are you despondent, Cain? Do what's right. Sin is crouching at the door. That's what he says. Don't kill your brother. Because the issue was the sin deep in his heart. And that's the issue that's in us that Jesus is dealing with. And that's why Jesus says the relationship is is important. After Cain has slaughtered his brother Abel, the Lord comes to him and says, Where is your brother? And in a word of sarcasm, Abel says, 
I mean, Cain says to God, am I my brother's what? Am I his guardian? Sarcastically. And he says, what have you done? His blood cries out from the ground to me. The, question, the answer to the question is this. Jesus answers the question. He answers the question that Cain asked. Jesus said, yes, you are your brother's keeper. Yes, you are responsible relationally with him. Notice with me, Jeff, chapter number 5, verse number 23. It's the, ne- it's the next verse in this passage we we're looking at. So if you're offering your gift on the altar and remember your brother or sister has something against you, what do you do? Leave your gift in front of the altar. First, go, be reconciled with your brother or sister. Then come and offer your offering. He says, I want you to reach a settlement quickly with that adversary. In verse number 25, on the way to the court, or your adversary will hand you to the judge and the judge to the officer. And from there, you'll be thrown into prison. He says, And I'll tell you, you won't leave there until you play every last cent. What he's saying is, he says, work toward reconciliation. A refusal to be reconciled with your brother or sister is because of murder that is in your heart. That's why Jesus says it both ways. In Matthew 5, he says, if you're presenting your offering before the altar, and remember that your brother has something against you, so you have caused an offense. Go, you take the initiative. You go to him, and you get it resolved. Then come back and worship me. In Matthew 18, he does it from the different direction. He says, if you are offended at something your brother has done, then you go and you get it reconciled with your brother. Because the relationship is important. But when I say, I will not be reconciled, I will not work for reconciliation, then what you are are saying is, their life is no longer valuable to me. And these are the kinds of words that we say when we refuse to be reconciled. They are dead to me. They are dead to me. What does that mean? I have murdered them as far as I'm concerned. That relationship I destroyed. Also, when we devalue another life, when we abuse relationships and devalue life, and James is very hard-hitting about this, and I think we need to look to James again, chapter number 4. Do you have your Bible? Hebrews And then James, chapter 4, all right? So verse number 2, James chapter 4, verse 2. What is the source of, verse 1, what is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions, your desires, your lust that wage war within you? You see, you desire, verse 2, and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. He said the issue inside of you is your own selfishness and you want what you want. And so that 
spills, o- spills over in devaluing, abusing people. And now listen, I want you to listen. When you, you look at people to use them, not love them or care about them, to use them for your benefit only, for your selfishness, and you become a user of people. And this can happen in ministry, by the way. Where you use people, not love them. Listen to what it says in James chapter 5. Come, you rich people, weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth is rotted and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you. You will eat your flesh and will eat your flesh like fire. You've stored up treasure in the last days. He says, you know what? You're all about working. You're all about success. You're all about your money. And he says, you're storing up, but the storing, what you're storing up is going to turn on you. Now look, look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who mowed your fields cries out to you. It's the same word that's used with the Cain and Abel story. He says, what you've done unjustly with injustice toward not taking care of people that work for you and using them, and the outcry of the harvesters has reached the Lord of the armies. Just like the bloodshed cries out from the ground, the injustice cries up to a holy God. You've lived luxuriously on the earth. You've indulged yourselves. You've fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. Verse 6 You have condemned, now listen, you have murdered the righteous who does not resist you. When you use people, you murder them. Because you've lived your life for your own luxury at the expense of the most vulnerable and the most disadvantaged. And when you devalue the poor, God takes notice. And there's some of you, uh, some of you, some of us. It's all about us, all about how much money we have, how much money we can earn, how much money we save, how much we have, how many toys we can afford, how big is our retirement. It's all about this, us. And yet we refuse to give to God, to give to others, and to love them. We use other people in shady business deals. And murder's behind it. Finally, we commit murder when we assume God's role as a righteous judge and take revenge for ourselves. In the book of Romans, chapter number 12, do you have your Bible? Look with me. Romans, chapter number 12. You say, Pastor, I had no idea there was so much in one little verse in the law. All of the Bible speaks to this. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Do not repay evil anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, listen, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it's written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. He said, don't you be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Verse 21. 
He said, and don't repay evil for evil. Live at peace. Don't avenge yourself. Trust God. He's the judge. He'll take care of that. He's got you. The book of James, chapter number 4, back to James, chapter 4, verse number 11. Don't criticize one another, one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver and judge who's able to save and to what? Destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? He says, be a doer of the law, not a judge. Listen, when God saved you, he didn't give you a striped shirt and a whistle to go around and blowing foul on everybody that's messed up. Every time you toot that whistle, it's just saying, I'm messed up too. But instead, he gave us the gospel. Go and do the law. Love your brothers and sisters. There's one judge, and he's on the throne, and he judges rightly. Always. And you can trust him. And then finally, by live, don't live a deceptive life. When you live deceptively, there's murder inside of your heart. In the book of John, chapter number 8, John chapter number 8, in verse number 44, Jesus concern, says concerning Satan, he says, and he's talking to religious leaders, you are of your father the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. Now this is what we know about Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth. There's no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he's a liar and the father of lies. If we live deceptively, then we're acting like Satan. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He is a thief he is a supplanter. He wants to take God's place. He is an accuser. He accuses us before God. He accuses God before us. He accuses us and condemns us. He's an accuser of the brethren. Not only that, he's a deceptive liar. He's dishonest, and he deceives, and he destroys, and he hates you. And he's a murderer. And when we act deceptively in our relationships, and when we act dishonestly in our relationships, then we've said to the person we're being dishonest to, you have no value to me. I murder you. I want what I want more than I want you to live. That is relational murder. Brother Tim, do you have a good word to share with us? <laughs> yes. It brings us to the last point, and it's this. How then should we live? What is the other side of this negative statement? Thou shall not Murder. Let's flip it. 
What is it on the other side? But you shall what? Love. Because love is what defeats murder. Amen? And that's God's great love for us. So how shall I live? Number one, respect life. Value life. Respect life. We need to respect life from the womb to the grave. Amen? Respect life from infancy to the most aged. Respect life from the disabled and the poor and the infirmed and the the hurt, those who are poor, those who are slow, those with a low IQ. We'd love them. We'd love people of every nation, race, tongue, tribe, skin color, people. Love people. Love God. Their life's valuable from God. Their life's a gift from God. If you love God, love the people he's made in his own image. Amen. In Denmark, my, one of, my daughter Lindsay was talking to me about this this week, and she said, Dad, you know, in Denmark, there's a, uh, there's a nonprofit agency, agency that works with Down syndrome uh, people, and they have a ministry to Down syndrome children and Down syndrome uh, uh, teenagers and young adults and adults. And that ministry has been a great flourishing ministry, but it's drying up and it's dying. And they no longer have new Down syndromes people coming to that ministry. And I said, why? She said, because they don't exist. Because of today's technology, they can determine early on whether that baby in the womb is Down's. And so they murder the baby. So the life never lives. Some of the most beautiful people that walk the face of this earth are Downs people. And we decide you don't, we don't want you to live. And just because you do it in a clinic doesn't mean it's not murder. The sixth commandment is more than just murdering. It's about loving your neighbor and showing kindness to strangers and to showing mercy even to your enemies. It's about love. So how do we do that? Number one, forgive and be reconciled. We looked at the scripture already. We won't reread it again, but Jesus said, listen, be reconciled. If you're presenting your offering before the altar, there remember your brother has something against you. Leave your offering. Go. First be reconciled with your brother. Then come and present your offering. Be reconciled. Preach a message of reconciliation. Live a life of reconciliation. Forgive one another just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And then bless your enemy. Do you have enemies? you have people opposed to you, against you? Yes. But how do we respond? Instead of judging them, why don't you bless them? And this is what Paul says in the book of Romans, chapter number 12, the very passage we read a while ago. He says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. 
And in so doing, you'll be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Chapter 12, verse number 14 says this, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Wow. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Pray for them. Amen. We're to pray for those who persecute us. Not only are we to bless them, but pray for them. One of the things that we can do to turn this thing around, instead of curse others, why don't we bless them? And then pray for them. I've noticed this. When I get on my knees and I pray for people that are, that are ugly to me, it begins to change my heart about them. I begin to see them from a different perspective. I don't go around with seething anger toward them. I feel compassion for them. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your faults to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, has a great impact. Next point is that we need to act in love. Act in love. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, Jesus said, if you have love for one another. The New Living Translation says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Amen. John chapter 13, verse 34 says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. Amen. Now listen to what Jesus said. He said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also for them. And then he says, For this is the law and the prophets. And finally, trust in God. How many of you all believe in a great, big, sovereign, wise God that has this world in his control? How many of you all believe that? Raise your hand. Some of you don't. How many of y'all believe God's got this world in his hand? Okay, me too. Now, second question I want to ask you, is he trustworthy? How many of y'all believe God is trustworthy? Raise your hand. Me too. How many of you got problems? Raise your hand. Most of us. How many of y'all believe God can take care of your problem? Will you trust him? When I trust him, it frees me up to love people. This is what Jesus said. You want to know what the Ten Commandments are all about? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second part of the book of law is love your neighbor as yourself. You'll never be able to do this on the horizontal level until you get this right on the vertical level. And it starts with us saying, God, I know that I'm a murderer in my heart. I know that I'm selfish in my heart. I know that I want what I want in my heart more than I want others to live.
And when you get honest with God, He'll point you to the cross. Where there was one with no sin who was murdered for your sin that we might have life. And that's Jesus. And when Christ comes in your life, He writes a new law on your heart that enables you to love God and love one another. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth. It's powerful. It's convicting, confronting, and true. Father, will you have your way in our hearts and lives? May we turn from sin and trust in Jesus, and may you forgive us, cleanse us, and Father, fill us with your Spirit so that we might love like you've loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.